Welcome to the Passing Time with Craig podcast. As always, I'm your host, Craig. Uh, today is the start of a new kind of series that we're going to do occasionally, and I'm very excited um, to have this guest on. Uh, we first met at Trivia Tuesday, I think. Yep. Uh, we're both fans and guests of a wonderful Tuck and Rolls podcast. Uh, R.I.P. R.I.P. <laughs> occasionally they come back and do stuff. <laughs> um, and uh, you know her MVZ. Good old Zareen. Yep. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. This is the first of probably multiple ones. We can go on a lot of different ones, but we are today reviewing Chu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar. A classic. A classic. So we're talking these queer films. This is 1995 is when it came out. It was directed by uh, Beban Kidron and written by Douglas Carter Bean, who I definitely like. did my background check on, and he was a gay male, so like... Okay, that made, that's one check. Yeah, I was like definitely a little worried, um, but I was learning about all this stuff. So uh, Robin Williams makes a cameo in the movie. Uh, Steel, Spielberg was read the script to him on a plane by Robin Williams. Oh. And he loved it so much that he told uh, the director, Beban, because Beban was apparently nine months pregnant while shooting this film. And Spielberg was like, if you go into labor, I will direct this film. Interesting. So Spielberg was on board with this. Didn't know that. Um, but we have Patrick Swayze, uh, Wesley Snipes, and uh, John Leguizamo um, as three drag queens. And then, of course, there's some people they encounter, including uh, a cop played by Chris Penn, Sean Penn's brother. And then they meet the small town that includes uh, Stalker Channing, Blythe Danner, uh, Beth Grant, and a bunch of host of other characters that and actors you may have recognized in all these films. But uh, when was the last time you watched this movie before you rewatched it for this podcast? Oh, gosh. Um, well, like, this is one of my favorite, you know, queer cult classic movies. It came out, like you said, in 95. And at that time, I didn't watch it at that time. I was 10 years old. Yeah. Around then, nine or 10. So I watched it as like a, a young teen for sure. That was probably my first encounter with like queer culture on the big screen. Yeah. Um, but the last time I watched it before this pod, it's got to be like five, six years ago. So it's been a while and yeah. a lot has happened in the world. Yeah. Um, I mean, RuPaul's Drag Race started, what, 2008? 50 years ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it seems like a long time ago. <laughs> so, you know, drag queens have really become even bigger part of the culture. Um, and it's it's a... We're going to discuss everything about what aged, what didn't age well, uh, the performances, could this be made today? But re-watching this for the first time in like five, six years, what were your first thoughts? Um, well, because it holds like a little special place in my heart, I tried not to beat it up too much, but there's <laughs> certainly a lot that doesn't hold up about this movie. Um, but first thoughts, there were some, like, I don't really remember Robin Williams being in this. <laughs> John that Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. Yeah. Like that was a small cameo, but I was like, oh yeah, I guess he was in this. And Blythe Danner, I completely forgot was in this. And Blythe Danner is the most ridiculous character. And I loved her just the first scene where she's just like, Telling the drag queens all the gossip. <laughs> yeah, like she was the town gossip, and I yeah. like that. But I noticed one thing that I hadn't watched or noticed on previous rewatches was like the low key microaggression racism. Yes. So when she's explaining, like, you know, the town folks to Noxima, she's like, oh, what did she say about uh, the cafe guy? She's like, oh, he's the nicest black man you're yeah. ever going to want to know. I'm like, why you got to say it like that? <laughs> and oh, colored man. She's yes, colored, colored man. And that's even weirder. Like, <laughs> I'm like, this was 95. Like, we didn't say that then. No, no. And this, what was interesting to me and something I was thinking about when I was watching it this time was I thought it was very interesting and kind of, I don't know, added to it or I like that it wasn't three white leads. It mm -hmm. was very interesting, especially because it takes, the big part of it is in the small town. Um, but you have a Hispanic, uh, a black person, and a white male. Like, you have a three different races. Yeah. Um, and then you could add in these little thoughts and theories and everything. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're right. And for the time, like, that, I think, first being, like, a drag, a movie about drag queens in 95, around, I want to say, like, around the end, not the end, but, like, the height of the AIDS epidemic was kind of on its way down. Yeah. And it was a movie about three drag queens 
And you're right, it wasn't just three white drag queens. Um, but I do feel the story did focus on Vita's, you know, the oh, white characters' it, problems. It and, very and much their, was. The timeline or the trajectory of their story more than anyone yeah. else. Yeah. Um, and like Wesley Snipes' character is very much just that, like, that helping saving black person they, for sure like cliche and like the catty quippy one yes and vita was like the motherly you know saint kind of thing so i will say that, that didn't hold up for me <laughs> i have to say though i think this rewatching it today i think this is one of wesley snipes if not best performances it's one of my favorites i like Genuinely laughed out loud m- several moments in that movie yep. because of lines that Wesley said when um, when he, when he goes, "You're not gonna start walking on water, are you?" To Miss Clara, yeah, Miss Clara. I can, and I can also like when Blythe Danner is describing Clara and without saying really offensive terms, but kind of was like leading into it and yeah we knew what she was getting at i was like oh god <laughs> yeah the town gossip was a bit problematic but no you're right like noxima she has so many famous one-liners even used today in like the drag zeitgeist like if you watch drag race yeah they're still quoting her all the time um i still find myself saying you know if i introduce myself oh zareen omar jesse's daughter <laughs> <laughs> i love that line yeah and uh little latin boy in drag why are you crying yeah. <laughs> i know like that still gets if you if you know, you know, kind of yeah. thing. That's a good quote. So, okay. We're not going to go this scene by scene, but let's kind of start at the beginning. Um, because what was interesting to me and something I've forgotten, the only time we don't see um, Wesley and Patrick in drag is the opening credits. And that is just those brief moments, and then they're getting into drag. Yeah. Um, and I felt that was very interesting that... This is how we're starting off with the montage. And it wasn't anything too kooky or making fun of. It was just these two people getting ready. Yeah. And then we jump into what they're getting ready for, this whole drag show and uh, a competition. Mm-hmm. And I, my first thought was, because we see RuPaul, and we also see a bunch of other well-known drag queens, especially for 95, yeah. uh, once it stood the test of time. Do you think that was the filmmakers getting them on board to be like, hey, you know, actual drag queens are in here, so we're not making fun of them? I mean, it could be. I feel like if you if they weren't consulting with, especially because this movie takes place in, or it starts in New York, if they're not consulting with New York drag queens in the 90s, don't bother making this movie. Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, having RuPaul in there for sure during her height or like that was super important. Like, let's talk about their entrance to the movie, yeah. their introduction in the movie. Yeah. Descending from the rafters oh my in a Confederate flag <laughs> yeah. as Rachel Tension. It's probably one of the most iconic like drag moments. I forgot <laughs> the descent and it's just amazing. <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty key. But yeah, I think... Um, to answer your question, I think it, it was intentional that they, they included those folks and they had to. Otherwise, I don't think it would be the cult classic it is. Yeah. And we have to acknowledge, and I think we need to talk about this right away. Um, there's a scene in the car <laughs> where they're discussing the different, and this is again 1995, but what the almost three categories were for queer mm-hmm. I would say in specifically for that time frame they're talking queer men yeah <laughs> and what's interesting about this movie too and you have to go in and realize that there's there's a different campiness to it but also some magic to it like when they decorate their 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 hotel room or their suite there mm-hmm. and does the little click of the eyes and the flashlight or the lamp turns on and the bewitched little yeah and then they throw they just throw it on the wall and it just magically appears there yeah. so there's some magic to it but drag queens generally do not just spend all their time in drag yeah that's kind of I think one of the disappointments watching it today is like it really created painted this image of drag queens in the 90s as like 
you know, one note, one dimensional. They're this magical queer that is only this one thing that's yeah. in it, specifically in the context of the movie. They come to this town to just kind of like bring positivity and self acceptance and like feminism. And it's like, no, drag queens and queer people have, you know, other dimensions to them and they just felt very one note yeah specifically they had no like sexual agency or anything no gayness no queerness to them at all and we're seeing that uh with like rupaul's drag race now where there are uh like cisgender women Mm -hmm. competing or straight males like drag is we've we've realized that drag is just all-encompassing um anyone can be a part of it but that's not what they're doing and there's a point where wesley they're in the car and they talk about, and they use terms transvestite yeah. and transsexual or drag queen. Like those are the three things. Yeah, so the, I, those are the only three things. Those are the only thing. And the transvestite, <laughs> I believe, were the straight men who dresses. Um, trans. I don't remember the quote exactly. And then the transsexual is a transgender person, is what we would call now. Um, transvestite was a straight man who dress up in women for kicks. Yes. Dress, dress up like women. For yes, kicks. and then the transsexual is what most people call transgender now yeah. that was the 90s there's so many times you watch 90s movies and they use the term transsexual it was jarring to hear the term transvestite i'm like i haven't heard that in it's, so yeah. long <laughs> i know i forgot about it and i was like and then we go right into transsexual and then we do drag queen and try to explain the difference but again i was like and they I, say and Noxima said a drag queen is when a man that has too much fashion sense for one gender dresses up like a woman they yeah. are a drag queen yeah so I think th- of all the scenes, that is one that has definitely not aged well. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And that was the scene. Um, I think we're only like 10, 15 minutes into the movie at this point, too. Yeah, that was on their way. They just left New York. And by the way, choosing a convertible as your mode of transportation to drive from New York to L.A. is insane, especially... Yeah. If you're going to be in drag 24-7 with a beat face and those wigs, and, exactly. why are you riding all in a convertible? They're wigs. That's what I don't get. <laughs> like, I know your hair won't get too messed up, but, like, how is that thing staying on? Yeah, weird choice. Um, I forgot what your question was. <laughs> I would say, like, that is probably the scene that has not aged well. Yeah, that was, like, a really fast and loose way of trying to explain because Chi Chi they were trying to you know make Chi Chi feel a bit better about yeah. her, herself and her drag which I also forgot how rude Chi Chi was yes throughout watching the movie I'm like I would not have brought her along I would have kicked her yeah. out a long time ago she's very rude to everyone apparently um John Leguizamo likes to improvise mm. and Patrick Swayze almost punched him in the face at really? one point because he got really annoyed with it hmm. Patrick Swayze is not an improviser is what we've discovered interesting okay i could see that actually if if, i mean if their rudeness was improvised then i punch them too yeah (laughs) (laughs) um and then we also have the scene as they're driving that they go through um the the hometown Mm -hmm. and stop in front of the house um and the mom comes out I don't know if she thought she heard something or saw something, but she just happened to come out yeah. and then like turned away. So we're seeing, and I, I think the scene, what I liked about it was that it, uh, because it seemed at that point that everything was going really smoothly for these characters and everything was really fun and positive And like, yeah. let's face it, 95, I mean, for 2024, we haven't <laughs> changed much 19 years later, but, um, it seemed like they lived in this happy, go lucky, beautiful world, but now we got to see that they've had some struggles. Yeah. I feel like that scene was put in to give it was just all exposition exposition without very much yeah. like of any dialogue. And again, this is what I say, like they focus mainly on like the white drag characters' yes. background and history and struggles and like even that wasn't that much. But you're just meant to it's that scene was meant to imply like they left their hometown because they weren't accepted for who they were. And they went and found their family and their people in New York city where they were accepted for being who they were. Yeah. And that was all we got from that. And uh, you, you bring up a good point too. And you mentioned it earlier. It is very much, I would say it's not a, uh, 
it is an ensemble movie, and these are the three main characters, but it is very much Patrick is leading this leading this story. Mm-hmm. Um, and then John Languizamo's character learns some things and is learning things. And then Wesley Snipe, like, or one of only, like, two people of color in the movie, yeah. like, black people. Um, and it's, it's just, pointed out, these are the black people yeah, in this movie. Yeah. Like, Ugh. <laughs> He's, they're there to just make, and again, I think hilarious jokes. 100%. Fantastic. One of Wesley Snipes' best performances. But they don't have an, ev- uh, an evolution in the movie. No, they have no, like... Again, this is watching it now. Um, I just felt like these three characters were presented as like caricatures of drag. Yes, like these, you know, fairy godmothers that are all positive and all good. Like they have no nuance to them. They have no like, again, no sexual agency. There's no like queerness about them. Yeah. Other than they're just men who dress up like women and stay in drag twenty four seven. Which I don't know any drag queen. That no, does. they don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, you even have like the world's most famous RuPaul. Yeah, it's sometimes not in drag and like makes appearances on talk shows or yeah. game shows. Um, not in drag. Like that was just so interesting to me, and I totally forgot that there was like no moments of them not being in drag except that opening scene. Yeah, and right. and they have dialogue as they're going along um, before they get to the small town where. Uh, you know, checking into hotels, they're worried and and they, so they probably wouldn't be dressed in drag, knowing that they would have to go check into places, and then they get pulled over by the cop. My I, license says Eugene. <laughs> yeah, and I thought that scene was interesting when they went, they checked into their first hotel, and you know, Noxima and Vita are like, no, this isn't going to be safe for us. We kind of know we've been around this block. Let's not do this. Yeah. And Chi Chi's like, no, you got to live your life. And she just went for it. I'm like, that's not, that doesn't feel realistic to me. Not that we need to see the violence of trans, like against queer yeah. and uh, drag, uh, drag queens on, on screen, but it didn't feel realistic. I'm like, you should have some concern oh, about yeah. going to a hotel and a place you've never been to f- in full drag. And then, then we have an, I, <laughs> kind of an offensive joke. The manager thinks that they're yeah. basketball, <laughs> female basketball players. The full lesbian basketball yeah. <laughs> team. <laughs> I forgot about that scene, honestly. That's what caught my eye this time around. I was like, I don't remember this at all. Yeah. That was such a, I forgot about it. And I was like, this seems weird. And like, mm-hmm. just now we're just making, like, we're trying to do a good job of showcasing these characters, but but we're going to make fun of uh female basketball players and say that you look like men or you're butchy and whatever. No, you're right. I feel like it's kind of tough because this movie was important for queer representation in a lot of ways, but it does such a bad job of queer representation because everybody's a stereotype. Everybody is like a cliche. And we, and it's even just all the other characters in this movie, like everything is a cliche. Like you've got these small town folks and they've all got these little cliches or they've all got, Issues like I don't understand why the one um, the, the shop owner had to have a stutter. I don't know. Like <laughs> that seemed random. Um, and then Clara is a mute. Nobody can understand. But that was one of my favorite relationships. I do I, I love that, but loving, it made no sense. <laughs> yeah, I remember loving Nogzima and Clara's relationships the first time I saw the movie, and seeing it again uh, recently, I was like, yeah, that's a really cute. It's a bit like this whole movie takes place in like three days, by the yeah. way. But their relationship was very cute progression from um, when they first got there to the end. So, yeah, I don't understand like the cliches in the small town. What I noticed this time around watching as well is like what the movie had to say about feminism. It's like all you need is like a makeover yes. and <laughs> step into your power. And I'm like, that is not at all like an accurate representation of yeah. what feminism should be. Um, Cause that's what they do with Bobby, Bobby Lee mm-hmm. and you know, Bobby Ray then discovers, Oh, you're yeah. beautiful. Um, one of the other things I realized with this movie, I didn't realize that there were 
two scenes that were going to be rape. You know what? And one of them was going to be a gang rape. Yeah. You're right. The gang rape scene, I like, I remember it happening, but I was watching it very uncomfortably. Yeah. Like yesterday when I watched this, I was like, I remember seeing this, but this is like kind of violent. And the sexual assault scene with the cop and Vita, I remember watching it was a big part of the movie, but even still it was very uncomfortable to see even 30 years later. I was like, wow, this was pretty fucked up. Yeah. It was, it was really messed up. Um, And at least the cop did not have a redemption. No. But Sheriff Dullard had very big January 6th energy. Yes. The way he storms into the town. (laughs) Yes. Like he is, when he was storming into the town at the end, I'm like, oh, this is probably how it went down. That is, oh my, that is the best description of it. And, um, I also, okay, let me ask you about the scene. We are just jumping all over the place. But let me ask you about the scene where he's in the bar and he just just keeps saying stuff. And, like, there's almost this hint that maybe he's gay and into it. Like, it just seems really weird. And I'm happy that they didn't go down that road that it turned out that he was gay because, like, they usually redeem them at that point because they're like, oh, no, you're suppressing your sexuality. But that was a weird scene. It was a weird scene. And I'm not sure. I think the only point of that scene was to connect him and I can't remember the husband's name. Virgil. Virgil, yeah. Because obviously he had the shoe and he's like, I know whose shoes this is. But you're right. That whole like exposition about, you know, the way he described Vita and the way he described you know, what he deemed to be sickening about men loving men. Yeah. They were implying he's gay. Yeah. Like, that was the message. Because then, right. then you get a, a scent of that yeah. musky... There's stubble <laughs> yeah. rushing up against yeah. each other. Your hand going, like, <laughs> through the chest here, like... Twirling through the yeah. chest here. Yeah. yeah, like, they were implying he's gay. And you're right, I'm glad they didn't go all the way. Because then the way the movie is... By nature, I feel like they would have been like, oh, we forgive him for sexually assaulting Vita because he just was struggling with yeah. his own demons. It's like, okay. Yeah. Whereas, like, we seem to just forgive Michael Vartan and the other country boys because yeah. Noxima was like, this is how you, you know, talk to a girl. And that was another thing. I'm like, this is what they're presenting as, like, this is what feminism is. Like, you should just you know speak to women nicely yeah and that's what that's how you respect women and that's how women that's what makes them feel good and i'm like this is a weird message and (laughs) (laughs) it is weird it's very weird and again it's also um and clearly by the com the conversation that we had in the car that we discussed earlier with wesley's night these are at least wesley's like noxima um identifies as a he he him it was just a drag queen. So we still, in the end, have him, like, mansplaining. Yeah, yeah you're right, <laughs> actually. How to treat a woman. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about Sucker Channing, Channing's character. Yeah. Because, again, there's a lot that happens in this movie, and they really touch on a lot of things. And now we've got domestic violence <laughs> in the mix. Yeah, I um, I remember that scene from the first time I watched the movie, and you know it. I'm not sure. Like, you can cut this part out because I don't know what your question is. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I just, what do you think of that character? Did does it work? Does it not? Like, is it just a stretch and just having a point where a drag queen can punch a man? Like, um. Stalker Channing's character obviously just played a role in, again, Vita coming in and being the the savior queen, the nice drag queen with, you know. Um, I don't... I think in the end, again, I go back to that point of, like, how they describe what feminism is. Like, all she does in the end is stand up for Vita and stand up to her husband. Her husband's like, okay, guess I can't mess with you anymore. I'm like, I don't think that's how domestic violence ends. No. Like, it never usually ends so wrapped up so nicely so peacefully 
Um, Especially in a small town where Stalker Channing's not leaving with them at the end. This is supposed to be a small, conservative, country bumpkin, Midwest town. And I'm like, I don't want to, you know, apply any tropes or stereotypes to these type of people, the types of people that live there. But I just, that was an unrealistic portrayal of domestic violence and the outcomes um, when you, when you, stand up for your, or not stand up for yourself but you try to leave or you try to end yeah you know that yeah it was it's sometimes i think the biggest problem some movies have is just trying to tackle too many things at once yeah <laughs> yeah and he could just be an asshole he but like the fact that he actually beat her <laughs> yeah like there's no saving grace from that because like he's were not they meant was he supposed to be portrayed as like good in the end i didn't catch that <laughs> i don't think so but at the same time he's not leaving that town like i thought he left i thought that was like the end scene but like she lifts he... the veil yeah she stands up to him okay he's the like, spartacus I we gotta talk about we'll talk about the spartacus scene at the end um but yeah i don't know like the, they were just trying to give all these characters in the small town things that the the drag queens can help them yeah like we talk about beth grant who is a great character actress um mindy project she was on speed i did not i've like didn't clock her until i watched it this year i was like oh that's beth grant (laughs) that's beth grant she's in i mean that's just it if we rewatch we could go through a whole series of the cat in doll face we can rewatch everything in the 90s and we will find her in it um but the blythe danner explains that she's an alcoholic Nothing gets solved by that, no, <laughs> except for the fashion. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Like, the drag queens come in as this, again, this takes place over, like, three days, two yeah. days. These magical queers that come in that have no, like, agency and no, like, identity other than just being, you know, drag queens. Yeah. Um, and they come in and make all these women feel comfortable and safe because they have no, like, sexual agency or anything like that, among other things. Um, to just fix their problems. Yeah. And all it takes to fix their problems is a makeover. You know, a day at the salon, a girl's day. And like they really like came into this town and just queer eyed them. And yeah. they're like, Oh my god, that's what it is. <laughs> that's what it is. It is they, really just, they, they really just like, you know, caramel them. They're like yeah. <laughs> Actually they didn't even do that. They didn't even talk to them about their issues. Maybe Noxima and Claire in an indirect way, yeah. but that's it. They just like you need a makeover and your life will be better. And now you're a feminist and stand up to your men. I will say this: this might be a hot take, but Noxima did a lot more than Caramo often does <laughs> in episodes. You're right. That's I, I'm with you on that one. Caramo is. We don't need to get into queer eye because that's a yeah, whole. Yeah, that other. is a whole. We will actually. Okay, we're gonna have that's a. Okay. We're gonna have an episode where we talk about queer eye because we can dive right into that. We can also get into the drama and all that fun stuff. Yes. But. Um, yeah, like, that's exactly what happened, though, is that they just came in. Um, and I don't know, is it supposed to be saying that queer people will help you and make you better? Like, I think, like, the point, I don't want to say, because I don't, I'm not the director, I'm not the people who wrote this movie, but I think the point they were trying to make is, like, drag queens are people. Hmm. They're, you know, our friends, our neighbors, whoever, they should be accepted for who they are despite these things that you may not understand. And they kind of started with that message and ended with that message, but there was nothing in between, like there was no nuance to these queens. Yeah. There was nothing like, you know, I think of drag queens and I think of like, it's like a punk radical kind of life, not lifestyle, but like ideal. And there was nothing about that with them. And I think that was the way they're portrayed is like almost like it's safe to be to feel this way about these drag queens and let them like make you over and accept them because they're just, you know, magical queers. So I love talking about movies for so many reasons. And one of them is when I realized something that I didn't think about with a movie that I've watched a bunch of time and chatting with you, it has now occurred to me that yes, this is the main characters are these three drag queens and these, this is their story. It is not their story. I've just realized this. The only character who has, uh, only three of them who has some sort of evolution and it's really basic and small is Chi Chi. Chi Chi. The other two are just there to help people. The only thing um, 
Evita gets is um, hearing I love you yeah. from Soccer Channing. Yep. This, and they said, that's all I've ever wanted to hear with my with that name. Yeah. This story was told to make straight white people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, but it's a it's a Midwest. It is. It is. A hundred percent. Straight white people feel good about queer or I keep saying queer people, but drag queens. Drag queens. Like, yeah. That's th- th- those are the main characters in this story. Like these are just, you know, the embodiment of of drag. Yeah. Not the actual people behind it. Yeah. Um, okay. So then we got our we've got our Spartacus scene, where <laughs> you you see. I keep knocking and criticizing this movie, but I love it. I love it too. I love it too. But I. <laughs> I think it's good to appreciate a movie when you can find its flaws as well. I'm kind of surprised. I'm glad. Like, I'm pleasantly surprised that it still holds a place in my heart, even though I'm I'm looking at it very critically now. Yeah. I'm like, no, I still love it. It's still, it is. <laughs> I, I still fuck with I it. I would still recommend it to people. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have this Spartacus scene where you think Patrick Swayze is coming out because we don't see it. And then it's surprise. It's Stalker Channing and this, like... Lydia Dietz wedding dress. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and then everybody comes out and saying they're drag queens or drag kings. Yeah. And then to like top it off, though, I'm like, oh, you're, this is so nice. But then they're like, especially the men are like, oh, yeah, hey, gorgeous. And like do like weird, like yeah. overly. <laughs> overtly sexual like uh, a yeah. cafe dude, Jimmy John, Jimmy yeah. Joe, out of his nipples. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, come on. Yeah, this it's is, <laughs> their idea of what a drag queen is is like they really miss the mark. But again, these dra- <laughs> this is not an accurate representation no. of drag queens. No, it's not. Um, what what were some of your favorite? Like, what's your favorite part of the movie? Like, is there a favorite scene or just like a joke or? Oh gosh. Favorite part of the movie and favorite scene would have to be, I again, I go back, I love Noxima and Clara's relationship. I love yeah. the scene where, you know, Clara's walking through the town and Noxima's sitting on the porch and she drops <laughs> something and she chases her. And then no. just, yeah. And just, you know, ends up sitting on the porch with her and having a one-sided conversation about the things she loves and it happens to be the things Clara loves. Yeah. And I just love that connection they have and how she understood you know, Clara was so misunderstood by the townspeople. She didn't give a fuck, but she she was so misunderstood by the townspeople. And Noxima was just like, you know, I'm going to meet you where you're at and have just a cute conversation yeah. about the things I, you think, I think you probably like. And I don't know. I loved their relationship. Noxima also, a line I don't think I'd ever noticed before, but I heard it this rewatch. And I was like, this movie's fucking brilliant just for this line alone is when... Noxima and Clara have their goodbye. Clara said, like gives stuff mm-hmm. and, and Clara's walk away. And I don't even think Noxima's face in the camera, but you can you hear the line. And you just hear Noxima say, I hope she leaves her record collection to me in her will. <laughs> that was cute. Yeah. It's so, That's what I mean. Like they connected on, I don't know. I don't even know. Like, I don't know the references they were made or yeah. she was making when she was talking about movie stars, I assume. But they connected on that and their love of music and, yeah, she yeah. should leave her her record collection. Yeah, she should. <laughs> um, other favorite moments are just like really funny one one liners. Um, RuPaul ascending from the rafters, obviously. Yes. Rachel tension. Um, <laughs> what is the what stalker Channing's character's name? Oh, it's completely. It is. Me. I don't even. <laughs> Anyways, they get into the town. The three queens get into the town. And oh, Virgil. Angelic? No. Nope. Angelina? Uh, no. It'll Yeah. It'll come to me, I think. They get into the three queens come to town. Their car broke down. They need a place to stay. She's showing them around. She's like, okay, well, this is your room. She turns on the overhead light and they're like, oh. They're like, that's real. Queers hate overhead light. We look terrible in the overhead lighting. 100%. 100%. <laughs> that holds up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh. <laughs> This is the first time I clocked this scene, and it made me laugh so hard. But Sheriff Dullard's clipboard of where queer. Oh my god! Did you read the place? Okay, so there was ballet. There was uh, ballet schools, (laughs) and this was on a clipboard 
big sharp sharpie writing yeah. bullet list flower shops flower shops ballet schools <laughs> flight attendant lounges yeah restaurants for brunch not wrong and antique stores which if we queers love thrifting they do not they wrong do. yeah but no, i just thought that was checks so out. funny that like that's what he came up yeah. with flower shops ballet schools yeah it's <laughs> it's a very interesting like and again, because it's written by a gay man, so you're definitely like, okay, mm-hmm. it's it's better. Because uh, this is where we're going to start talking about this. The point of this series. Could this be made today? I feel like there's been some rumblings of people wanting it to be made today. I don't think it should be made today. It could be made today. If it gets made today... Based off of what we saw in this movie from 1995, would this be three transgender women, or would it still be drag queens? No, I think it. I think it could. It should could be either, but I think it would be three drag queens. Yeah, especially like, I mean, if you're picking casting, it's gonna be three drag queens from RuPaul's like prominent queens from yes. RuPaul's Drag Race. Like, again, they've been through I don't know how many seasons, sixteen now. Yeah, just the American version. Just, yeah. Um, there's no shortage of drag queens to pick, so why wouldn't you cast real-life drag queens? Yes, because, okay, here we go. Um, we've got... This is the first Hollywood um, mainstream film to feature drag queens. This also came out around the time of Priscilla, Queen of yes, the Desert, Yes, so Priscilla, right? okay. Queen of the Desert. Very similar. I don't know how much... Like, I tried to look into it, and there's a lot of references to it, but it doesn't seem like they really gave it homage or like Americanized it. Right. Um, it actually opened number one at the box office, surprisingly, the opening weekend. Tu Wong Fu or? Tu Wong Fu. Okay. $4 million, <laughs> which <clears throat> nowadays would be a huge bomb yeah. um, for a number one opening, but 1995, different times. Also, I'm imagining this budget was not huge, so I think they easily made their money back. But we have Wesley Snipes, Patrick Swayze, John Leguizamo. Huge actors at this time. Major. John Leguizamo came off, was just coming off of Carlito's Way. Wow. Huge movie. Oh my and like God. very um like in that the role his role in that movie very masculine. Yeah. Um Patrick Swayze obviously came come came off of Dirty Dancing, Ghost, and Point Break. And Wesley Snipes, New Jack City, Jungle Fever, White Men Can Jump demolition man wow and then after this john leguizamo did romeo and juliet which i could do a whole other podcast <laughs> if you ever want to talk about it okay maybe we need to do a romeo and juliet one because that that's, would be that's a queer coded movie but yeah yeah this like i it, i'm not surprised it did really well opening weekend because just curiosity itself like these yeah. huge at the time masculine hollywood a-list actors doing drag queen roles yeah. like you'd just be curious even if you hadn't you knew nothing about that world. I wonder how many people went to it thinking that it was going to be just making fun of queers yeah. and drag queens. Yeah. It would be interested if we could look back at that. And I'm it's sure true. there's no stats for it, but I'm sure there are, there were people who were like, ah, we're going to go make fun of these people. And like, God, I mean, I hope not, but <laughs> those people are out there. You're right. Yeah. So if it made today, it should be a proper drag queens. I think so. Like, if you want to... I think this is one of those movies that's... Because it's a cult classic, it's untouchable. Like, mm-hmm. we're not making Rocky Horror Picture Show. No. Nobody nobody wants that because we know you just can't. Yeah. Um, same with this. I think there's probably been musings about remaking it, but I don't think it should be. But if, for whatever reason, they decided to, I think you should cast drag queens. Yeah. What do you think? I would say... And this is one of the things that I love about streaming sites. Um, I've really enjoyed when they've taken a movie from especially the 80s and 90s and made it into like a limited series. Mm. I think this could be really well to really get deeper into all these characters and focus more on the drag queens this time um, and not make it just they're here to help everybody, but really get into their psyche and maybe one of them... You know, we've we've had uh, 
drag race contestants who have then transitioned. Like there, yeah. th- th- that happens as well. There are drag queens uh, who transition. So it would be interesting if you have one of the characters who, like Chi Chi, I feel. If this was made today, I think it would be important to see that maybe they're realizing that they, yeah, are are women. Yeah, I could see that, and we do have shows like that, like Pose. I don't know if you've yeah. seen Pose, but that's essentially about the world of drag in the '80s and '90s, but it focuses on trans women yeah. in drag in New York ballroom culture. So, um, yeah, I think it could go either way. I, th- I like the idea of doing <clears throat> like a limited series. With this. I think I think there's so much you can do with this. So, and make them be in the town longer than the, the, the three weekend. days. That's yeah. actually what surprised me this time around as well. Cause like, I kind of just looked at everything that had happened. I'm like, this was only two and a half days. Yeah. Like in my mind, that was like a week they spent yeah. in that town. <laughs> and it, it, it's also like, it showcases the positive mm-hmm. where other than Virgil, the whole town comes to the rescue as yep. we talked about the Spartacus. Um, but even the four boys who were going to sexually assault gang rape, gang rape Chi-Chi. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but wow. But like, seriously, <laughs> that was going to happen. That was a scene. And they seem to just quickly move on from it. Chi-Chi never said anything to the girls. No. And never really confronted those boys and when they were like nice at the yeah. end everyone was like oh see that's yeah. that's how you be a feminist yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah i think if they're gonna do it i think it needs to be a limited series um and i think that they need to just update some things for sure but i don't know i think here we are 29 years later <laughs> oh, gosh I know, right? That's like, <laughs> whoa. Um, 29 years later. I think it's, is it still important? And is it important for queer culture? Not just for movies history as again, the first Hollywood film focusing major Hollywood film focusing on drag queen, yeah. but as a queer film, um, does it, is it, is it important should the next generation be watching it? I don't know. I mean, I think it is important. I feel like the fact that it's still talked about, like you said, almost 30 years later, um, it's still referenced in a lot of drag, at least the commercial drag we see. Yeah. It's still in the zeitgeist. It's still pointed to as one of the, you know, like you said, the first widely accepted and wildly popular representations of queer culture and drag culture on the big screen. Um, I think it has its value. There's a lot of good things, you know, we can't just expect representation matters in in many of its forms and we can't just expect people in 1995 just knew exactly how to portray those things. I do feel like they knew better in a lot of, a lot of ways they could have made things better, but they were just kind of lazy and went with the tropes and they went with the, again, the microaggressions about the racism stuff was weird to me. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Um, when Sher- Sher- not to go back, but when Sheriff Dullard was, he came to and the other cops were like, okay, we need to file this report and we just want to make it clear you were beat up by a woman and they oh, were, and they were yeah. laughing at him and he's like, I want to be clear. It wasn't three women. It was three boys and one of them was black. Yes. And I was like, whoa, like... Even for 95, like, why you got to say it like yeah. that? Why you got to say that? I noticed that, too. I found that whole scene very interesting. It's very telling of the times. It was very telling of the time. Um, we're obviously talking about, uh, you know, Midwest, I think, is what they're, we're supposed to be. That's, yeah. Um, but it was very interesting to see everything about it. First of all, the fact that... The first cop we see decides to sexually assault somebody they pull over. Yep. And then and then he's out for 24 hours. Like, it's not until daylight that somebody wakes him up. I'm like, this guy's dead then. Like, like he's better be. And, yeah. like, that was also interesting, not to detract from your point, but going back to the movie, they left, the three queens left that cop thinking he was dead. And yeah. they never gave it another thought the rest of the movie. They're just, like, doing their thing in their town. I would be so stressed. I'd be like... There's a dead cop that's that we 
likely killed. We need yeah. to get the fuck out of here. We can't stay here. They never talk about it ever no. until he comes back all but He's sick. alive. Yeah. Um, and you know what was interesting to me? And, and I was... It was tough because I was thankful that they didn't kill uh, because I think that was a huge part. We, there's so many other movies we can talk about in this series and uh, how queers were represented as like evil. Mm-hmm. They would have killed a cop. Yes, the cop was sexually assaulting, yeah. but they would have killed it. But at the same time, I kind of wanted this like, and I'd watched the movie before, but this time when I was rewatching, I was like, I kind of wanted to be a Thelma and Louise. I thought that would have been very interesting. Yeah. A Thelma and Louise drag queen story. I mean, they wouldn't stop at the town and it would be a whole different thing. But. It's funny you say that because like that's, if you're watching the movie for the first time, you would think that's the central conflict. They yeah. killed a cop and they need to figure out, like this trip to LA is not important anymore. They need to deal with whatever happened here. But it's not. They get to the town and the central conflict is making this town of women feel comfortable and good about drag queens in their town yeah. and having them step into their power. Yeah. I'm like, okay. And why? like, what's interesting is that they never seem to talk about it. The only person that we know for sure knew the whole time was Dr. Channing. Yeah. When she mentions the Adam apple. Yeah. Um, but nobody else seemed, like, so did they all know and they were just always cool with it or that's another weird thing we're, we're supposed <laughs> we kind of like glossed over that yeah, yeah like we're supposed to suspend our, our our disbelief about that um is that okay you're trying to paint this town as like this conservative but fuck nowhere midwest like when we're i don't know for folks that haven't seen it like this town has maybe 40 people in it yeah so it's really supposed to be this kind of back backwards kind of place yeah, I think there's like 10 buildings we see. And every single person is either aware and accepts them? Yeah. No. No. That's not 1995 no. Midwest America. And that's not 2024 Midwest America. There's no way. No. There's no way. Also, you'll love this. I mean, this makes me very happy. <laughs> Something I did not know until today. I was rewatching it. And I was like, Fuck, why do I know Virgil? I know him. He looks so familiar. It turns out, and I was like, how did I never know this? He's an asshole who abuses his wife, but he is also John Hammond's evil nephew in the Lost World Jurassic Park. The one who brings Injun in and then like gets eaten by the T-Rex at the end. I was what like, year is this? So the, uh, Lost World Jurassic Park was 97 and oh. this was 95. So this is two years before. They look very different. Let me, I'm going to show you... <laughs> This will I will post this on my Instagrams once this episode comes out so people can see it. But um, I'm going to show you him because he looks so different. Um, where is he? Arliss Howard is his name. So this is him in Tu Wong Fu. So that's him, you know, we got him there. Okay. And then two years later is The Lost World. And it's like kind of mind blowing. That's not him. That is a two year difference. That is him. Wow. I know. That's wild. That is clock that. I was like, why does he look so That's familiar? Drag. That is drag. That is on. I was like, why does he look so familiar? So then, you know, going down the rabbit hole and there we have it. A um, couple other things that are in this movie, people I wanted to talk about. So you mentioned Blythe Danner. Yep. Um, Blythe Danner is like so much fun in almost everything she is. Have you seen Paul? Seth Rogen is the alien. No, I've heard of it. Oh, I haven't seen it. you should watch it. It's great. Um, but we have Robin Williams. This is John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. Cute cameo. Also, did you realize that the person who said to Noxima, I wish I was as beautiful as you, was Naomi Campbell? Yes. that's So it's, yesterday was the first time I clocked that. I was like, oh, shit, that's what? Naomi Campbell. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I kept trying to figure out who the first person is who talks to them because I feel like they're supposed to be famous. I don't know. But I don't know them. Um... People considered for roles in this movie, 
um, Gary Oldman. As Vita? As Vita, but came off of Bram Stoker's Dracula and didn't want to do a bunch of makeup again. I can't see him. I, I can't picture it. Mel Gibson. Oh, hell no. <laughs> right? Hell no. <laughs> hell no. And Viggo Mortensen, also for Vita. I think Patrick Swayze is the best choice, but I could see Vigo, I guess. Um, people considered for other roles, and they were never clear. And I don't know at one point, like, if Noxima and Chi-Chi were always supposed to be uh, black and Hispanic. But other people considered for roles include uh, Matt Dillon, who I can't see as any of them. No. Robert Downey Jr. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Lowe. Wow. And James Spader. James Spader? <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. That's wild. Okay. Yeah. Um, that was... Terrible. The, no. Like, I do think, again, I like when queer people get queer roles, get the roles that there's should have. With that said, I don't think it always needs to be queer people. I okay when a straight actor plays a queer role, but they're not doing a caricature. Mm-hmm. And I kind of worry about that sometimes. Like, Is there an example of that? I can't think of it. You know who I think, and it's and it's weird because the person who plays their partner is an openly gay man, but um, Cam from Modern Family, Eric mm-hmm. Stone Street, mm-hmm. is such a caricature of a gay man. Yeah. And it does really, like, bother me. But then Jesse Tyler Ferguson, who plays Mitchell, his partner, is openly gay. Yeah, yeah. And so he seems to not have a problem with it, whereas, like, Mitchell is not as much of a character caricature as yeah. Eric Stone Street is. So that always kind of bothered me. Um, who, I feel like there's a couple other people that I'm thinking of. But, like, when you – if you're not playing a character – and I don't think any of them really – as much as – again, we've discovered that this movie's they're not – yes, they're the – top billing yeah that it's not their story if you will yeah um i don't think anybody does a bad caricature and i don't think they were being anything bad i don't think i, I maybe i disagree with you here i don't think they were bad caricatures yeah but they were 100 percent caricatures yeah. in my mind like i would say john legozamo chi chi yeah she's so rude i yeah. just couldn't get over <laughs> how much i disliked her character watching it yesterday i was like Ugh, i would not be friends with you um but I do think all three of them played caricatures of drag. They played, you know, the the embodiment of the fantasy of drag. Yes. Again, so, um, but it wasn't bad. Like they did a great job. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I would rather see today if it were remade. Even then, in '95, there was no shortage of drag queens in New York. They could have had drag queens play those roles. And it's also interesting too because this was before um, a lot of like 2000s and early 2000s but uh you know one of the big things that gets talked about a lot is tyler perry Mm -hmm. as medea and you got martin lawrence as big mama and you there's always these like jokes about black men like big black men being dressing up in drag and like don't be that way and like making fun and like all that stuff so to have wesley snipes way before everybody else yeah very interesting. And they were, and Wesley, <clears throat> excuse me, Wesley Snipes' character wasn't like this loud, abrasive black woman yeah. the way that Big Mama and Medea are, yeah. are kind of portrayed. Um, they were quite feminine, I yeah. thought. Wesley I, Snipes' character was quite feminine in the way they dressed, in the way they, their mannerisms, the way they spoke. Um, they're my favorite character in that movie. Okay, I was, that was my next question. Yeah. Who's your oh, favorite? 100%. Oh. <laughs> Naxima made me laugh so freaking much. Yeah. And I just think it was great. And I think one of the keys to make it different than, you know, Martin Lawrence and Big Mama is that there was no point where... And it's it's actually not just, like, black men in dresses. It's uh, white men in dresses. They've all had that point where they would, like, do something... And, and then, like, they'd be talking in, like, their female voice, and be like, but don't you disrespect me. Like, there was no point where they turned. There was one point 
when he was when Vita was being sexually assaulted by the cop. Oh yes, Vita was. The, yes, that's right. It I forgot feminine, about that. And then she's like, "Don't touch my dick." Yeah. That was the only time you you see their masculinity. Apparently, Patrick Swayze put a uh, corn on the cob. Really. Under <laughs> in his underwear. <laughs> So that look on uh, Chris Patton's face. Real, like, <laughs> yeah. confusion. Yeah. <laughs> wow, yeah. interesting. You found some pretty interesting uh, facts about this movie. Oh, yeah. I I like to dive in. I just find, and again, this is why I love talking about movies, and I'm so glad that you were willing to come on the podcast to talk about it because movies are just fun. Oh, yeah. And again, whether we, we did talk about the flaws with this movie, but we were all, like... We still recommend it. Oh yeah, I I would recommend it if you've never seen it. Yeah, and you're, you know, you love going to drag shows and this and that, and you want to know the references because you're probably going to hear it at some point in your life. Um, I would recommend watching this movie for sure. Yeah. Again, I have. I think it's okay to love something but be critical of it. Yes. Like, just because you like, you can't have blind spots about the things you love. No. Right. So. Um. I wanted to ask what your favorite, did you have any favorite moments? But I first wanted to know what your favorite looks were. Cause I know we both like, we both go to drag shows in Calgary here. Yeah. We love, you know, the pageantry of it all. We, oh, love yes. our, we love our local Queens. So did anyone, who was your favorite? Oh. Who had your favorite look? You know what? I was, <laughs> I really love, um, I think my favorite is Noxima's outfit at the strawberry, like at the end. Mm. I don't know. The beautiful red wig, the, the strawberry be- blonde wig, the yes, red dress. The red dress. Um, I think I really like that. Or, um, okay, it's probably just Noxima. Like, uh, Noxima had the fun <laughs> to it. Chi Chi always had a weird, different look to it. And I, I do really like Chi Chi's final look. Yes. When she wins the pageant. Yeah. Um, Vita, Vita is like so elegant and. She's the mother. She's, yes. You know. But, Noxima had the best look. So Noxima, when oh, <laughs> now I'm thinking even more of them. Okay, so the the strawberry festival, um, when they decide to have the little oh, what is it the the women's time together, the and then day. the the girls day, and they go to the hairdresser, yeah. very like chill casual look for Noxima, and then when Noxima discovers like the fringe, and then oh, like yes. the two piece, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think Noxima freaking crushed it yeah. on looks. What was what are some of your or do you have your favorite? I think yeah, my favorite obviously Noxima. Um, her look, I don't even remember like it, there was spe- there wasn't one specific scene. It was just like the day, maybe the second day they were in town. Yeah. But when she's wearing like the tight orange little t shirt underneath yeah. and then, like this patterned romper over top, very like nineties kind of multicolored pattern. And the cute little like train cap yes. and her braids. I thought that was her best look. That's her most. When I think of that movie and I think of iconic looks, I think of that look for some reason. Um, and it's like, it's not her most feminine look. I think it's no. her most like kind of. I like her casual the like, her being in her casual look, and it it reminds me very much of the nineties. So yeah, that was my favorite look of hers. I do have to say, <laughs> and I was like, did. They did Noxima have this outfit already, or does somebody? But just the scene where Noxima is playing basketball, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, did Noxima have this basketball outfit already, oh, or yeah. did somebody else like? That trunk was full of fits for every occasion. You just know it. Yeah, that's a Cadillac trunk. That so. is a Cadillac trunk. Um, and of course, at the end, we see Julie Newmar. Yes, finally appear. Yeah. Um, apparently. She was at a convention once, and she got pretty drunk, and someone got her to autograph uh, the VHS case, and she was like, who the fuck is Wong Fu, and why oh am gosh. I thank- <laughs> thankful? <laughs> I Whether that. that's true or not, that's an internet thing. I hope it's true. Let's uh, let's keep it as part of the, the, the culture of this movie. Yes. True. All right. So, out of 10. I'm going to rate it high. Yeah. I'm sorry. I have to. And... I don't know who listens to this podcast. Hate me if you want, but I'm going to give it like an eight. I was going to do an eight as yeah. well. I think, again, there's stuff that didn't age well. Yeah. But like, not as much as you'd think. There are way worse. Not that you should compare like levels of bad yeah. and being like, okay, well, this is worse. So therefore this is good. 
but there's they could have it could have been a lot worse it could have been a lot, lot worse. worse but it was fun yes i laughed a lot mm-hmm. i still laughed a lot yeah I, like <laughs> and i've seen this movie quite a few times yeah. But I genuinely laughed out loud, yeah. cackled to myself. I had to pause at one point because I was laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, I missed what was just said. Um, but yeah, I think I think it did well. Um, could it be released today exactly how it was? Probably not. I don't think it should exactly how it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, and again, like, and it's interesting that even 95 we always have this conversation in the queer community. Not everybody's always supportive of every single letter in the mm-hmm. queer alphabet. And I think that this is one where they weren't completely supportive. That car scene, again, we've talked about with yeah. the transsexuals and transvestites and yeah, yeah. drag queen and what these all mean. I'm like, oh, God, no, that's not right. But that was 95. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's, again, not something you'd expect to to hear on screen yeah. in 95 and even even yesterday watching it it was jarring to like again hear the word transvestite and I was like what? Yeah. And anything else you want to bring up before I start bringing up my final questions here? Oh, I've just got some fun questions for you. Okay, okay. Ooh, fun. <laughs> Do some fun questions for me. Okay, only well, only one. You've answered okay. most of my questions throughout. Um but if you okay, of the three queens, yeah. I assume I don't want to assume. Do you watch RuPaul's Drag Race? I watch it occasionally. I don't watch it as much. You know what my biggest problem? I don't enjoy the like craftsmanship. <laughs> so I don't watch a lot of this, but I do enjoy the like like the reveals and the lip sync battles. Like, okay, so you're I'm familiar that with lip sync yeah, for your life. Yes, yeah. Noxima, Vita, or Chichi, who's winning lip sync for your life? I would say and this may just become a podcast about how much we love Noxima, <laughs> but I think Noxima will crush it. That's interesting. I love Noxima. I'm a Noxima stan. I think Chi-Chi's taking it. Okay, that Chi-Chi's was, got something to prove. Chi-Chi's got something to prove. I think Vita's not. Vita's done. She's sashaying away. She's yeah, done. I've, <laughs> I can even like picture some lip sync battle, lip sync battles I've seen. Where I'm like, you're not doing anything. No. And that is Vita. And I think, unfortunately, like, no. sorry, you're not. She's not in this conversation at all. And it, even if it was actual, like, this was Patrick Swayze's, like, drag performance. Like, <laughs> you've got all this, like, dirty dancing background. Like, yeah. do it. But I still think that. <laughs> yeah. I think it's definitely between Nogzim and Chi-Chi, but I'm giving it to Chi-Chi. Chi-Chi. Yeah. Good. She can pull it off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I've got two more questions for you before we wrap up okay, here. Okay. Number one, what do you think we should watch next in this series? Mm. We're talking about just like... Queer films, I would say before 20... Let's say 2014 because it's 10 years ago. Anything before that. Okay, well, I have the memory of a goldfish, so this is putting me on the spot. But queer films before 2014 that are worth rewatching to see if they hold up. I mean, we kind of touched on Priscilla. I'm curious. They came out around the same time. Yeah. I'm curious about that one. I don't think I've ever seen it, if I'm being honest. I don't know if I've ever seen it. Yeah. So I would put that on my list next. Um, I kind of want to Google queer, queer, queer films before 2014. Okay. Then I say we do Priscilla next. Okay. And the other one that I think we should do is Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> I watched that recently. <laughs> I watched that on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> what an interesting so plane choice. Uh, okay. My options, I wasn't happy with them. And I was like on my third movie. So I'm like, yeah, why yeah. not? And sometimes when I'm on the plane too, I'm like, am I going to fall asleep? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm not putting on something that I want to see. Exactly that. I was like, I'm going to put on something I've seen already that I know I like. Yeah. Yeah, my other options were whatever. And I'm like, yeah, broke back. So, but I'd be happy to come back right. home and talk about that one. Okay. Yep. And my final question I like to ask everybody what's awesome? What's awesome? Um, the drag queens in Calgary. I know you yes. just had Kevin on recently. Oh. Miss Anxiety. Love her. Anxiety is the best. Yeah. Um, I will just echo what they said. I know you asked them that, but um, what's awesome in Calgary is the queer culture, the drag culture. I think it doesn't get enough recognition and it's. Uh, I don't think it flies under the radar, but 
I think it's just not in like it could get more love. Yeah, especially now. Where are your some some of your favorite places to go to watch drag? Um, Old B, the Attic, yeah. Rising Tides, all the places that have already been mentioned. Yeah. I'm open to knowing or checking out some new spaces if you know. Yeah. Do you know any? Like, where do you go? I, those are the main ones. Dickens, of course. Yeah. Um, and there's always Twisted. That goes without saying. But I think there needs to be some more places that uh, are just doing it. Like, people are trying to find reasons to go out. Yep. Businesses are trying to find reason as, you know, money's getting tight. Mm-hmm. Put on a drag show. They're super fun. Yeah. Brings out a big, big crowd. Yeah. Okay, wait, I have one more question okay. for you because <laughs> I just thought of it. What would be your lip sync battle song? Oh my God. That's tough. Oh, you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> It'd have to be, like, pretty queer. Yeah. So Cher. I know some I know some Cher songs. I would lip sync to that. Anything off Renaissance. <laughs> <laughs> Give me Heated. I'll sing Heated. Would you do Texas Hold'em? I don't love that song. No. Oh. No. I actually am a huge... I love 16 Carriages. Yeah. Texas Hold'em, it's okay. Like... Musically, it's well done, obviously. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a musician, so I'm not going to speak to the craftsmanship of that song. But I've listened to it a couple times, and it's just not for me, and that's okay. It's a little too... And I, I like country, yeah. but it's not my kind of country. That's fair. Um, but 16 Carriages, not a karaoke song, but if you haven't listened to it, please give it some love, because it's one of Beyonce's best songs in my All opinion. right, I, need to list, I haven't listened to that one yet, so oh, I need yeah, to listen yeah, to it. It's wonderful. Well, I'm so happy you came on today. This was super fun. Yeah, I knew you. it would be. You also <laughs> beat Talk and Rolls to my podcast. It's not hard. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thank you for having me. This as really soon fun. as Ryan hears that, he's going to message. Right, it's not Ryan's fault. We <laughs> all know. Not, we all know who's holding up this podcast. We know whose fault it is. But, uh, Zareen, it's great. I, you know, it's, it's just so fun that you and I finally got to do a podcast together. Yes. And uh, I look forward to Priscilla. Queen of the because I've never seen it. Yeah, I am excited to kind of give it a first look and maybe go through it in the same way and give it that critical eye. Yeah. As, you know, not then versus now kind of thing. All right. Well, you've heard our take on Tu Wong Fu. Uh, thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. If you haven't seen it, we both agree you should check it out. Um, if you haven't seen it for a while, check it out and uh, give us your thoughts on it once you do but uh, thank you so much for being here today thank you Craig thanks for passing time with me and thank you all for passing time with me we'll chat soon